0: What is the manosphere, and why should you know all about it? My guest, Justin Horowitz, is a researcher at Media Matters, and he looked into and reported back on the misogynistic influencers who have been proliferating, taking the place of Andrew Tate, uh, who has been notorious uh, for promoting... Uh, Ugly and vicious uh, attacks on women. He was arrested uh, weeks ago in Romania for alleged rape and human trafficking. And it doesn't mean that what he promoted is gone from the Internet. And Justin Horowitz joins me to talk about it. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So, you wrote all about this misogynistic manosphere, and before we get into that, of course, uh, I discussed and mentioned Andrew Tate, who I think a lot of people know about, but a lot of people probably don't know about him. They probably, for a lot of people, they first heard about him, in fact, when he was arrested, because that really got a lot of news, and there was that great moment with Greta Thunberg that— just became a viral um, phenomenon. So, talk a little bit about him first uh, for our listeners who may not know much about him.
1: Sure. So, Andrew Tate is a formal, former professional kickboxer. Uh, I'd say he's a British media pers- personality. And I think. What most people started to, when people started to really hear his name, is when they started to, uh, you started to show up on their social media accounts. Uh, so what Tate was doing was he was paying this army of young men to repost his content. He was banned on pretty much all social mainstream social media um and he had all of these young men reposting his content um whether that be TikTok um YouTube uh, anything like that so people started to realize who he was um once they were hearing all of the vitriol and misogynistic rhetoric that was coming from him
0: and he was arrested as i said uh it became Uh, quite a big uh, news moment. And there was some discussion about whether or not he actually set a trap for himself because of the pizza box that was there and the address, whatever happened, the Romanian authorities uh, closed in on him uh, for uh, human trafficking. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So there's um, a couple of, um, he, he was he was arrested by roman romanian authorities for alleged rape human trafficking and organized crime so him and his brother are currently sitting in a romanian jail um waiting to um uh waiting to face trial um pretty much right now
0: and obviously he can't be online but as you discuss the army of people who have been promoting uh, and, pr- and spreading this hate are out there. And you call it the manosphere, these influencers who are proliferating across social media. Tell us a bit about that and Andrew Tate's influence on these young men.
1: Sure. So the manosphere is kind of this umbrella term to understand this online community of right-wing websites bloggers, influencers that sort of cultivate a worldview based on conservative and outdated gender politics kind of repackaged for the internet age. Um, It valorizes pickup artists, violent misogynists, incels, men's rights advocates. Um, What the group really focuses on is that they blame women, women for all sort of societal societal woes, um, and they treat them as this inferior sex. They believe that men have the right to own and berate and be horrible to women because that's their worldview. And Andrew Tate is kind of like the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the manosphere. There are a bunch of micro-influencers across social media that are sort of repackaging his violent misogyny for their own sort of profit and social media fame. I feel that Andrew Tate is the one that most people know when it comes to someone in the manosphere. Um, But there are other right-wing pundits, people like Matt Walsh, Mike Cernovich, who are um, have been part of the manosphere for years. Um, But Andrew Tate has really been the one that's been in the news most recently um, as kind of a manosphere influencer.
0: Talk a little bit about and and I think some of our listeners will be familiar with uh, Matt Walsh and Cernovich. But uh, tell us a bit about what they're doing now, what they're promoting and uh, what you're seeing as obviously. Andrew Tate is no longer able to be online.
1: Sure. So these sort of micro-influencers are repackaging Andrew Tate's violent misogyny for their own audiences. And what they're doing is they're really kind of speaking to uh, the fears and the real lives of young men. So things like rejection, alienation, economic failure, loneliness, all of these um, worries that young men usually don't talk about in person or some that don't talk about, um, they're looking for influencers to look up to um, that kind of speaks to those issues. And there aren't a lot of influencers that can Speak to young men in that way that these young men also respect. So, uh, whether it's talking about picking up women, monogamy, non-monogamy, uh, how to make money, or make a name for yourself online, these are the sort of um, these are the sort of topics these manosphere influencers are are really pushing, and they oftentimes can draw in these viewers and these audiences because they'll start talking about things like um, weightlifting or working out. It's a really good way for these influencers to really draw in an audience of young men.
0: Talk a little bit more about that. Cause I think uh, it's quite fascinating and I think not something a lot of people really get into how, These young men are almost indoctrinated into something that is is filling a void, some sort of need, something that went on maybe in their own lives, something that's, that's missing that they can't fill, and it kind of puts them into a different direction. Talk about that.
1: Sure. So it's kind of similar to the way that uh, people fall into conspiracy theories. I wouldn't say that they're the same, but when there's a hole missing in um, the information that someone is trying to learn about, sometimes it's easier to lean on something like a conspiracy theory where there's a straightforward answer to why something is the way it is. Um, Obviously, things usually have more nuance to them, but this feels the same in a way um oftentimes when people are thinking about like why am i getting rejected by women like um, why why can't i be as social as the other people i see around me why can't i um, be as strong or as motivated to work out as some of these other people Um, these influencers they're really giving these young men an answer to their problems and the answer to their problems that they're telling them is that women are the problem. They have this phrase in the manosphere called uh, the red pill. I'm sure that some uh, some of your audience has heard of the red pill before and the idea of taking the red pill means you're going further to the right. But in the manosphere particularly, it means that you come to this understanding that women are the root of all problems and all evil. If you take the red pill, it's a way for you to kind of understand life From the point of view of women are women are the reason that I'm not getting laid or women are the reason that I'm not getting paid more at my job. So it's just a really easy way for men to um, see the world through a really, really misogynistic lens.
0: And I I think it's important because there could be a way that these young men wouldn't uh, gravitate toward this, um, but it's out there and it's available and it gives them an easy uh, way to blame somebody else for some more complicated social interactions that they're not navigating well.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree. It's definitely, it's an easy way out to understand the world around you. If you want to take out the nuance and um, the different layers of emotion that people want to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Um, some of these manosphere influencers falling into their sort of trap is a really good way to do that. And also going off of the sort of trap that they live in, a lot of these influencers are making a lot of money off their audience as well. Um, they are pickup artists. They're training people on how to go viral on TikTok. They're doing coaching to meet women um, they're, you know, selling creativity kits on how to rebrand yourself as a way, as a, as a man, as a strong man. Um, so it, it there's, there's a couple different folds in there.
0: And a lot of them are lonely, uh, or as you said, maybe they felt rejection, something happened. And as you discussed, a lot of these podcasts will focus in on fitness and, how to remake your body. And obviously honing in on masculinity, this is a major part of what's going on here an insecurity about masculinity and how to somehow um, repackage themselves while still blaming, of course, others.
1: Yes, it's definitely a way to completely rebrand yourself. I think that men that are looking up to these influencers they see it as a really easy fix for a lot of different problems in their life um whether that be physical or mental emotional
0: one of the uh ones you mentioned fresh and fit podcast um mm-hmm. sounds like something you know innocuous right but how is it something that kind of draws people into something a little more nefarious
1: so they 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 call themselves like the number one men's podcast in the world, and and they they say that their um, the show is about females' fitness and finances. But it's not to say that they don't talk about those things; they do. But I think that why people go to them and listen to their podcast is because it's um, it's it's for it's for this insane misogyny. I mean, after listening to hours of this podcast, I don't think I've heard another show that is, I would say, mainstream like this, that has such vitriol. Um, I think that a big part of it as well is that it's it's very edgy. You're not finding a lot of podcasts like this out there. Um, so when you're able to kind of bring people in, we're like we're going to talk about fitness, we're going to talk about finances. And the other thing is they have a lot of women on their show. A lot of women volunteer to go on this show, which may make you think that there's possibility that they will be able to like speak their truth as well and be able to uh, hold their own but a lot of these um, episodes they're just the the hosts are just berating and belittling these women and I can't really wrap my head around why some of these women would want, want to go on the show but it happens and I feel like that it kind of seems like a way for some people to say, well, women are going on the show, so it can't be that bad. But actually listening to it and taking the time, it's 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 pretty disgusting.
0: Well, uh, among some of the uh, podcasts that you talk about, and some of the people who are, um, you know, the, the people who are um, hosts of the podcast, is a female uh, misogynist, H. Pearl Davis. Tell us a bit about H. Pearl Davis.
1: Yeah, so she's actually a really interesting influencer among these manosphere influencers. Um, she, I think, is a unique case because her rhetoric is the same kind of rhetoric you would find on the Fresh and Fit podcast, as you said, or some of these other extremist um, uh, extremist platforms. I mean, she recently invited someone like white nationalist Nick Quintus on her show, where she let him ramble on and on about you know, like his vision for an ethnostate and being his anti-Semitic views. And, you know, she agreed with some of them. And it's it's just, it's interesting because it almost doesn't matter that she's a woman. The fact is that she's pushing the same, toxic, anti-feminist men's rights rhetoric. Um, Like I said, with the women that go on the Fresh and Fit podcast, maybe it seems like it would be different because she is a, a female, Um, but it's really, really the same kind of rhetoric you'll find on the other platforms as well.
0: After listening to these and just seeing the reach of these audiences, what What do you kind of take from it in terms of what can be done about it? I mean, whether it's this kind of subject matter or yesterday we were talking about Ivermectin influencer who died recently pushing Mm -hmm. horrible, uh, terrible quack, um, you know, medicine. I mean, we've got every kind of conspiracy out there and hundreds of thousands of people listening to these And watching these, and and no ability to regulate them, how how do how do you you know what do you do about it? I mean, what you do is research it and write about it for media matters. What do we as a society do?
1: So I would say one of the one of the most important aspects it's going to come down to is you know these people are using social media to further their message. So the social media. Platforms have a responsibility to not have this violent misogyny on their platforms. A lot of them have um, policies against hateful content or violent content, speaking about violence. And a lot of them are just, you know, they're they're not they're not doing their due diligence. For example, this is
0: beyond the ones that are that have like Telegram for existence allows all this. But you're saying the social media platforms that claim to have all of these policies, um, like Twitter, like Facebook, like others.
1: Yes. And I would say TikTok in particular is one that, you know, is the easiest for young people to be radicalized into these manosphere spaces um for example like two of the fresh and fit podcast and another uh influencer i wrote about sneco they are both banned on the platform yet there are so many burner accounts and fan accounts that will continuously repost the content. And that's what Andrew Tate did after he was banned from all these platforms. Like I said, he had ar- an army of young men reposting his content. So when you have people like Fresh and Fit podcast and there's, you know, billions of views on TikTok under, you know, hashtag Fresh and Fit podcast, um, TikTok has a responsibility to, you know, flag these things, understand you banned the Fresh and Fit official account, but that's not stopping these influencers from still like proliferating through the entire app. And then I would also say for young kids, I would say parents have to do their due diligence as well to make sure that their kids aren't, you know, listening to and watching these influencers that can, you know, lead to really toxic rhetoric. Uh, I know that I linked to one story in my report about how uh kid as young as 11 years old, was repeating rhetoric from Andrew Tate. So just parents really need to um, know what their kids are listening to, especially on platforms like TikTok.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Really great to have you on the program and to be able to um, illuminate this uh, for people. Thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: Justin Horowitz is a researcher at Media Matters. You can follow him on Twitter at Justin Horowitz, uh, Justin Horowitz on Twitter, and of course uh, Media Matters for America at MMFA. We're back in a few minutes. This is the Michelangelo Senior Ellie Show on SiriusXM.